This is Clank, and you're listening to my chapter on As the Story Grows podcast. That's it. (laughs) What would you say you do here? Have a good time all the time. Who's got it better than us? Nobody! What in God's holy name are you blathering about? I'll tell you what I'm blathering about. I've got information, man. I want you to be realistic. What do you love about music? Man being realistic. As the story grows. You got this, Travis. Make him wait for it. Boom. dogs three cats four tortoises my wife has six snakes two bearded dragons and she actually has a colony of madagascar hissing cockroaches <laughs> good lord yeah my wife is uh, she went to school for um exotic animal care uh wealth management and training yeah so she's well versed in all that stuff and it's funny because i'm like totally reptile phobic so it took me a <laughs> long time in the beginning, because she's like, we need to get snakes. And I was like, no, no, we don't. <laughs> Not at all. You know, but after we were married a couple of years, I broke down and said, it's just a stupid phobia. You know, it'll be cool. I don't have to touch them. I can help you with everything but the snakes. And how is it ironic that last year at work at my old job, I got bit by a rattlesnake on the farm? Like, how crazy is that? <laughs> like, none of my friends believed it. None of my friends believed it. They're like, dude. How is, like, the snake-phobic dude, the guy who gets bit by a rattlesnake, of all things? I'm like, I don't know.
want to live in this lousy world? We both used to work at um, Ringling Brothers years ago, and that's where we met. And we actually lived on a train. And there was like 350 people that lived on the world's largest privately owned coach. And dude, there's people from all, literally all over the globe. So a lot of people aren't as clean and neat when it comes to like food and crumbs and stuff. So sure. we had to deal with ro like, well, for a while, there was like uh, serious roach issues. And, you know, I mean, later on I became management. So I was farther up on the train. So I, I didn't necessarily have to deal with that as much, but my wife did because she was on the other end of the train and she'd, she'd call me up. She'd be like, oh, dude, you got to come down here and help me get a grip on these roaches, man. Help me move my fridge, do what we can do. <laughs> you know, but it's like, you know, even if you kill and you spray, I mean, if somebody's kind of like piggy with their stuff yeah. and leaving food out, yeah. I mean, you know, it's it's like, you know, peeing in the wind. It's not really going to do anything. <laughs> sure. Dude, you met your wife while you both worked for Ringling and you lived on a train. This is this is going to be a good podcast. I can tell already. for eight years and I was a transportation manager, show welder and fabricator for the transportation department and uh, it's funny because 2007 we I left for two weeks to go uh, play Cornerstone and she, while I was gone she got hired and she started in Austin, Texas and then the following week the circus was in Houston and I came back after Cornerstone in Houston and met her like the first day I came back, you know, from my two week break from playing Cornerstone. And we were like, I was like, hey, man, this, this chick's pretty cool. And she was like, hey, this guy's pretty cool. You know, I'm from New York. She's from Rhode Island, you know, and uh, okay. we, we just, you know, we just kind of headed off because she was like, hey, she goes, anybody ever tell you, you, you know, you remind, she's like, you remind me of Dee Snyder from Twisted Sister. She's like, and you have, she goes, you have such a New York accent. Are you, are, you know, are you the dude from New York that they were talking about? I was like, yeah. <laughs> you know, because she had met some of my friends and became friends with them. And they said, oh, wait till you meet our friend Clank when he comes back. You know, he's out like playing a gig or something. And all she heard was, you know, he's a guy from New York and he's got a heavy New York accent. So when one of the first days I was back when she heard me speaking, it was one of the first times she's like, wait a minute. She's like, are you, are you the dude? You gotta be the dude from New York, the Clank guy, right? I was like, I was like, yeah, guilty as charged. Why? <laughs> you know, <laughs> but yeah, that's, that's, that's part of our story is we met, uh, of all places at Ringling Brothers. <laughs> cool. Did you have, did you hear the newest release? Do you have it already or have you heard it all? I do. I do. I have my, my buddy Brian helps me edit and, uh, put up the show sometimes and everything. Cause He's a fan, and he was like, "Dude, have have you ever thought about talking to Clank?" And I was like, "Yeah, I did actually. Like, it was it was stemming from this Believer Stouts beer release conversation. I saw you. You kind of came up on the horizon, and I was like, "Dude, I'd talk to Clank because you're 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 one of the few quote unquote industrial bands that I actually like. 
I'm not gonna lie, n- not quite my cup of tea, not my genre, but yeah. um, I'm one of those kids. I mean, I'm I'll be 42, <laughs> but I was one of those I was one of those kids that bought the Metamorphosis cassette, and I heard the uh, and I heard all that kind of industrial remix stuff mixed in with some of the metal that I was listening to, and I was like, what the hell is a clank? And that's kind of <laughs> what I heard about it, you know. So. So yeah. as, as much as I'm not like a diehard fan of everything, I do go pretty far back because of that. So yeah, dude, that's the circle of dust days. That's awesome. That was the yeah, that man. was what helped me stem into doing the clank stuff. Because when I originally started with Circle of Dust, uh, I mean that's I mean that's 1993 was where I got the nickname Clank when I was out on the circle one of the circle like one of the my second Circle of Dust tours, and that's where the nickname came. And then that's actually when. I demoed my first song was December of 93. So that's why I said Clank is like, we got like 24, 24 years clocked in. <laughs> technically. That's amazing, isn't it? I know. I'm like, man, I was like, I was 23 years old. I'm like, <laughs> in August, I'm going to be 46. I'm like, whoa. It's like, right. it's crazy how much time flies and how quickly it goes by. Rumor has it, Jeff Ballou gave you the name Clank. Can I hear that story? Uh, it was not Jeff Ballou. It was oh. actually... Jason Tilton, the drummer from Circle of Dust, we were playing in Virginia Beach, Virginia, and we were hanging out at the promoter's house like a couple of hours before the gig, and Jason was like the tall dude with the new wave hairdo. He was the token new wave guy. Okay. Uh, Clay, the singer, was the um, token alternative slash metal guy, and I was dubbed the you know stereotypical metalhead. You know, so I was chasing the promoter's kid around. And, you know, he had a house full of people, you know, we were joking and I was like, you know, running around chasing him. And uh, the one guy went to trip me and Jason stands up. He goes, no, dude, you can't do that. And the guy goes, why? And he goes, dude, you don't understand. That guy is so metal. If he if he hits the floor, he's going to clank. And they were like, ha, 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 ha. And then every time I took a step (laughs) after that, they were like, clank, clank, clank. And I was like, oh, is this how it's going to be? And they were like, oh, dude, this is how it's going to be. So that clank was born. And yeah, and the nickname Clank was born. It was funny because Clayton used to just call me by my last name. He'd always say, "Dealosa, get over here," or "Dealosa, hey, come over here," you know, whatever or whatever. And it was, uh, you know. And I'm glad you went by Clank. I think Clank fits the industrial thing. If you went by Dealosa, you sound like a you sound like a prog band that plays with like fretless basses. And I, stuff. I know. I, <laughs> I play an eight string guitar. I'm in Dealosa. <laughs> Dealosa. That's funny. <laughs> But ironically, I did meet Jeff Ballou for the very, very, very first time in Pennsylvania. I think we were in Pittsburgh. Clayton and I drove all the way to Pittsburgh to see Mortal when Mortal was on tour. And he had, they had, uh, Gyro and Jerome had Brian Gray playing bass and Jeff Ballou playing guitar. And that was, I knew who Jeff Ballou was, but that was the actual very first time I met him face to face. Brian Gray is the guy who gave me some intel on you. So, uh, uh, yeah. did you did you see him this past week? No. Did you go no, to no, audio I, feed? Uh, no, I don't even know the guy. He just he just uh, he reached out to me because of the show and um, got a hold of me through Facebook and we just got the jibber jabber and and I just mentioned I, I just threw it out there because I was like he basically said something like I like your show or whatever and I was like cool thanks and I went and looked at his. I saw the Facebook thing. It said we have like 34 mutual friends. And I was like, who the hell is this guy that we know so yeah. many people? So we just got yeah. talking. And I, and, uh, and I was like, oh, coincidentally, I'm talking to Clank this week. And he was like, oh, 
Oh, and he just <laughs> he gave me like this <laughs> list of things to ask you. It's like, all right, I'll just throw uh, off of that. You know, he's such a knucklehead. He's so funny. <laughs> he, he's 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 a funny guy, and it's funny because like um, he I mean you know he's he was in the blamed. He started the blamed. He started left out. He's been living at Jay Puza out in Chicago for years. So it's kind of like he Brian Gray is kind of like the Kevin Bacon of music. You know, like the six degrees of Kevin Bacon. I got to have him on the show. That's literally like how a, a lot of people met. I mean, uh, I, I've, I know so many people through Brian Gray. And it's funny, too, because I had a bunch of friends that went to audio feed this last week. And I said, hey, when you see, next, when you see that dork, they're like, which dork? I'm like, Brian Gray. I'm like, go up <laughs> to him and, you know, kick him in the butt. Tell him Clank says hi or, you know, tell him Clank says hi. So my friend um, uh, Bobby goes up to him and says, Hey, dude, Clank says hi. And so he, he sends back and he says, oh, tell Clank to say hi to my mom for me. I'm like, <laughs> he's just <laughs> such a knucklehead, you know? Why would, why would you say hi to his mom? Don't you live, well, don't you live near out there I actually, or something? I actually live 15 minutes from where his mom lives because I live up in the mountains close to Santa Cruz. And his, his mom lives in Santa Cruz. He was just being silly, you know. Brian's right. a, Brian. you know. Back in the day, I was a lot crazier and silly and super, right. super, super hyper. So we had a lot of fun over the years playing. I mean, he played with – he actually toured with Clank for a while. Mm-hmm. He played uh, guitar with us. You know, he's – you know, he's <laughs> – Brian Gray is like the Christian music band whore. Without, yeah, right. <laughs> you, know, <he's>, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I don't want to – I don't want to degrade, you know, him by saying that. But, you know, he's played with pretty much everybody. Brian Gray, tooth and nail band slut. Got yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to get along fine. You're just as snarky as I am. Uh, well, I am from the East Coast, so, you know, that we got to keep it real, Dale. <laughs> right on. Right on, man. That's awesome. All right, man. So, <coughs> hey, welcome back to the next chapter. Now that we've been talking for 10 minutes, uh, I'm talking to Clank. This is, this is fantastic. I'm, I'm glad to have you on the show, and I'm excited to talk to somebody that I kind of know nothing about but knows everything about all the stuff that I'm into, like the fact that you're buddies with Believer and you talk to Kevin and it seems like you know all these mutual people and everything. This is kind of cool because you're going to shed a different angle of light on that scene and the tooth and nail era and Cornerstone and all that stuff that I, I kind of wasn't standing in that corner. I was over on the other side. So this is going to be kind of cool to talk to you, man. I'm stoked to have you on. Well, I uh, really appreciate the fact that you're having me here, so thank you. <laughs> yeah, man. And Rise just came out this year. Um, I have a copy of it. I've been listening to it to kind of bone up to talk to you and everything. Dude, I'm digging it. Maybe maybe um, I have a softer heart towards uh, more of the industrial type of stuff. You you, you, you caught my ear um, back on the, um, um, I just said, the Metamorphosis uh, sampler because um, Circle of Dust used a Ren and Stimpy clip. <laughs> yeah, in Deviate. <laughs> Dude, I was such a Ren and Stimpy fan that I heard that, one step closer, I'm warning you. And I was like, hell yeah, I'm in. Whoever <laughs> used that clip, I'm totally into this. You guys hooked me because of Ren and Stimpy. Well played, well played. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, take us back, man. Why? When, when did this all get started for you? Um, Clank actually started in uh, 93. It just... It just happened. It just okay. 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 Well, that leads me to a question: What were you guys called until that nickname came up? 
Um, well, that was the thing is I, that was like my personal like nickname. Uh, Clayton used to just call me by my last name most of the time, uh, but I hadn't started recording or working on any actual clank music yet. It was after that. Like I had been kicking around some ideas, but nothing had really happened yet. And it was uh, probably a couple of months, maybe five or six months after that, that I said, hey, you know what? I'm going to, uh, I got an idea for something. I want to do something that's really like kind of industrial. But at the time, I wanted it to be a bit more almost death metal y, you mm -hmm. know? So it was kind of like the deviate feel. But I wanted to take like Circle of Dust and take it to the next level, you know, like where it had gotcha. all the uh, elements of the electronics and the industrial. But I wanted it to be originally I wanted it to be just heavy, you know, like with the kind of vocals where it was just mm -hmm. super guttural. And then I was like, you know, what? I just didn't want to be kind of pigeonholed into one thing. But in December of 93, I came up with uh, what turned out to be the very first song which was titled Animosity. And uh, um, ironically, going back to Brian Gray, Brian Gray, when I said to Brian, I said, Brian, I need a name. And he goes, a name for what? And I said, another word for like utter hatred, like, you know, you're super mad, just bitter. And he's like, like animosity. And I was like, exactly like animosity. So technically, Brian Gray kind of helped me name our first song, but he had no clue at the time why I was asking him that. Uh, all right. Yeah, I don't even know if Brian really realizes this. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, so I had the, the idea, and it was really rough. You know, it was just good, like guitar, just I had the guitars in mind. So um, um, Clay helped me uh, demo the song out in, in, it was January of 94. Mm -hmm. uh, we demoed it out, and I just did some really stripped down just, uh, me with uh, vocals, two guitars, a bass, and then a programmed drum. And I did it like as super low and guttural, but distinguishable because I'm not a fan of those cookie monster vocals where you can't understand what they're saying. I mean, I love I love low vocals, but I like to hear the words enunciated because if you just sound like you're singing in a garbage can, to me, that's nonsense. You know, I like I want to, you know, if you're gonna, if, if, you, if, you know, if you're going to bring that, bring it, but let people understand because anybody could be unintelligible, but that's like brainless. You know, I, I like, I like to think a little bit differently, you know? Gotcha. Okay. All so, and, and then that's, that's where that started was technically was that demo and coincidentally circle of dust label REX records, uh, may it rest in peace now. Cause it's been gone for so long. Um, they, they actually had put it out. Uh, the guy, Tyler Bake in there, I had sent him the song and said, Hey, what do you think of this? And he said, Oh my goodness. This is gold. I have like, you know, two samplers coming out. Would you want me to include it? And I said, sure. So he put out Can You Dig It and Can You Dig It 2 sampler. And uh, they put it out. And it was great because it was like free publicity and press for me. And I didn't even, you know, at the time I wanted to work on more stuff. But it was still like a concept. Like, hey, I have one kind of cheesy demo and, and a... I have a dollar and a dream. All I need is a lotto ticket, you know, like, <laughs> and, and then it just, and, and here we are, you know, 24 years later, you know, still recording and still making music and still bringing, you know, the, where the mosh pit meets the dance floor. Cause that's what we tell people clank is. No, I like that. I like that. I gotta, I gotta yeah. write that down. I'm, that's your working title so far. 
<laughs> where the mosh pit meets the dance floor. That's awesome. Yeah, that's the be that's the easiest way to describe our music because it's you know we have all the elements of the heavy, you know, and the groove, but we have a lot of the dance and the electronic and the industrial. So, right. and the biggest thing was back like when I first when I was first playing with Circle of Dust, and I was telling some of my high school friends, I said, Yeah, man, I'm in this band, and uh, you know we're doing this like electronic music, but with metal. And I remember my friend Mike was like, Dude, he's like, I'm sorry. My friend and all, he goes, but nobody, and I mean no one, is going to want to hear that crap. And I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, heavy guitars with dancey beats? He's like, I don't think so. He's like, you need to you know, play hair metal or something. And I, he laughed at me, literally. He's like, no one's going to like that crap. And then, boom, Ministry goes crazy. Nine Inch Nails is blowing up all these yeah, bands. Right. And now everybody and their mom these days likes to put in, like, you know, electronics and samples and loops and has heavy guitars you know a la mm -hmm. static x and power man and all these bands over the years that have been spawned from that whole movement back in the 90s right about some argyle park man tell me a little bit about your association with that um argyle park i shared a house for many years with uh chris martello aka buka as he was known uh who was actually for many years working as an intern at mtv and then later got a job there like one of their producers um and um when him and Clay got together and they were talking about the idea of doing a side project. They said, oh, we're going to do this thing. It's, you know, it's electronic, but it's going to be kind of avant-garde and eclectic. You know, it's, it'll have its heavy, heavy, heavy moments. And then it's have its like weird, jazzy, fusionistic, you know, because they had a great vision with it. They wanted to just basically throw a lot of different stuff against the wall and they didn't care if it sticked. They just wanted to, you know experiment and that's what it was it was really like an experimental electronic industrial uh, metal hybrid kind of thing and it i mean to this day people still talk about it it was just recently re-released i know clayton re-released all like the argyle park stuff and everything through his label um and it's just great that after all these years people still people still dig it Thank you. 
explosion is a common thing. The sentiments found in light and dark places, the heart is wicked, desperately. The closest swing between the darkest and the unguarded hearts of a power. Remember the devil is a stalking lion seeking me. It's great when you look online and you see people like, you know, today's jam or soundtrack for the day, Argyle Park, you know, uh, suspension of disbelief or, you know, um, AP2, you know, it's just, it's, it was really awesome to be a part of that back in the day. And when they were recording and they were working on it, Buka said, Hey, got an idea. So what? And he goes, uh, do you want to throw some vocals on a song? I said, all right. And he's like, they're going to throw you and Mark Solomon on a song together. And I was like, Pfft. I was like, okay. I'm like, who doesn't like the crucified? You know, Mark Solomon's awesome, you know? <laughs> so, uh. So we did head screw, you know, mm -hmm. uh, and that was a prime example of trying to do the vocals really super low and guttural, but distinguishable, you mm -hmm. know. <laughs> and then a couple of years later, they ended up doing AP2, and then uh, I sang Silhouette of Rage on there. So it was just, like I said, just two guest appearances that I'm like super, super, super proud of to be a part of. Because back in the day, it was like there wasn't really many electronic, you know, bands around. There was Circle of Dust. There was Jeff Ballou doing Chatterbox on the West Coast. Right. But that really was pretty much it. You know, you had a couple of bands that were kind of forming and stuff here and there, but uh, not, you know, not much going on release-wise. So it it was great because in between Circle releases, it kept Clayton busy and it kept music fans, like, kind of jonesing because mm -hmm. he'd be like, oh, okay, you know, Circle of Dust is done. We did a couple of tours. Now... He's going to, you know, stay afloat financially by releasing this album in between another Circle album. So kids were just like, ah, like they were just soaking it up like a sponge, you know, like they just couldn't wait to the next installment of something to be released, you know? Right. The okay. joy of the 90s, man. The joy of the <laughs> 90s. <laughs> I remember the 90s. Cool. All right. This is good. This is good stuff, man. You're, you're a, you are a story machine. This is unbelievable. You just keep cracking them off. Man. This is fantastic. <laughs> Uh, I'm a, I'm a wealth of useless information, bro. <laughs> you got a lot of stories about a lot of mutual. I mean, I think I think the followers of the show, modest as my little tribe is, I think I think they all know who you're talking about. So I think these stories are kind of hitting them like, oh no way, I didn't know that. You know what I mean? Kind of going for that angle. That's pretty cool. Yeah, dude. I really, uh, on a side note, not to interject, but um, no, please. I show. loved, loved, loved 
the um, the one you did with Jason Wisdom. Oh yeah, okay. Because uh, uh, I that was like because I had a lot of uh, listeners who were like, dude, you need to check out this podcast. You know, they talk to people. It's really cool. Blah 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 blah. So I kind of you know looked it up online and stuff. And the first one I listened to was the one with Jason Wisdom because a lot of our listeners were like, dude, have you heard Death Therapy? And I'm like, what's right. Death Therapy? Mm-hmm. And they were like, oh, are you for real? Dude, it's this, you know, like, you know, metal thing, electronic, industrial, but, you know, there's no guitars. And so I happened to check out that album. And then it was like the next day I saw the podcast that you had with him. So I listened and it was funny because I was like sitting with my earbuds in the co- like on the corner of the bed, just sitting there. And my wife was like talking to me. And she's like waving her hand in front of my face, and I'm like, uh, "What?" And she's like, "What are you in another world?" I said, "Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm totally soaking in this podcast right now." Like you know, <laughs> and and it was really cool because I I I love things that are really in depth and um, not typical run of the mill kind of questions and stuff. And I just thought it was yeah. great because you know going track by track with the album and stuff, and it was a great introduction for me to his music and to the music of death therapy right then that's when i was like man i said uh this is really cool man i, I want to get in on these guys because these guys are uh pretty cool so uh thank you for you know in, in turn having me on your uh, podcast oh it's my pleasure man I, <laughs> I i think uh jason's an old friend he's a good dude man so i've had him on the show three times i love jason that's awesome yeah, he's a good guy. Yeah, I've just I've just recently kind of got connected with him online, and it was funny because I told him after I listened to your podcast, I found him on Facebook and then messaged him because uh, you know I didn't want to be that like you know weird creepy dude just messaging you out of the blue who's not friends, you know, like, Bri- like, like Brian Gray, <laughs> yeah, exactly like Brian Gray. But uh, and I just said, hey man, you know I heard your music through the podcast and. Uh, you know, I really dig it, and I just want to say, you know, um, good job, blah blah blah. You know, and keep at mm-hmm. it. You know, keep up the good work, kind of thing. And he was like, oh hey, thanks. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't even know if he has any clue who Clank is or whatever. But and so after that, I sent him like a friend request, and we just kind of, you know, been kind of like just getting to know each other a little bit online. So it's been pretty yeah. cool. You know, I yeah, really dig, I really dig what they're doing right now with the death therapy stuff. He's one of those dudes down the road. If it happened, if it worked out, I'd love to just be like bounce ideas off of each other in the studio be like all right let's do a lockout like two days in the studio and see what happens Dude, <laughs> you know let's, let's make it right here i'm not that guy i'm not the guy that's like ping, 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 shoo, going for the exclusives or whatever i don't i don't chase that shit down it's exhausting but um right now throw it out there clank and death therapy do something together it started right here on this show i want i want dibs <laughs> Clank therapy. <laughs> I'm totally down. Death clank. <laughs> I don't know. Come up with some stupid title. <laughs> we'll do like a collaboration song. And we'll put it out on the show. I don't care. Whatever. There you go. Yes, I'm an idea guy. I'm a tastemaker. Clank. I do what I can. You know. Hey, it's all good in the hood. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I know. I know exactly what you're saying. Hey, um, how much time you got? You want to go track by track real quick with Rise? Why not? I, I got plenty of time, man. I wasn't even going to do I that. Got, Screw it. All I got this time. <laughs> <laughs> I made it time. All right, hold on. Let me pull it up. I got it in my phone. Hold on a second. Clank. Starts with a K. Rise. Okay, here we go. We're going to make it quick, though, because we've already been talking for a half an hour. But let's go. Let's just tear through this thing. Bring me down as a track one. Go ahead.
Bring Me Down is basically um, basically it, it's a, a a common clank theme as far as um, you know um, perseverance and not giving up and you know going through all kinds of uh, um, you know adversity. Day, like every day is a challenge. You know, some days you win, some days you lose. You know, but Bring Me Down is like no matter what we go through. You know. You know, we're just going to keep forging ahead. You know, at the end of the day, no one's going to bring us down. Like, you know, every, we're all the same as a lot of people that struggle day to day. But, you know, we're we're basically, you know, busting our hump to make it through each day. And we're not going to let anything hold us back, you know. Right on. It's a common theme everybody can relate with, right? Yeah. Very good. All right. <laughs> Better place. Track two. Is, um, basically, I spent most of my life growing up with people sticking their finger in my face, telling me how to live, how to dress, how to act, how I shouldn't act, what I should do, and what I shouldn't do. So, you know, not to be a typical um, rebellious kid or whatever, or adult now, but it's like, you know what, I'm at the point in my life where, um, you know, I, I, I'm a Christian, I try to live my life uh, the best as I can. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know what? I mean, you know, like I appreciate people and their, and their, you know, constant advice and criticism, but at the end of the day, it's like, Hey, you know what? Thank you, but I'm good. You know, I'm, I'm doing, you know, I, I'm in a, I'm in one of the best places I've ever been. Um, you know, I guess mentally, spiritually, happily, you know, and, um, you know, kind of like ap appreciate your advice, but I'm good. You know, I'm, I'm in, I'm in a better place. <laughs> Dude, uh, oh, I love that. That's great. That's kind yeah. of where I'm at too. Yeah, I mean, it's taken me a like, long time to get to this place, though. You know, yeah. I mean, I've been, I've lived like the life of ten different people, essentially. You know, uh, of, during my lifetime, so it's like, mm -hmm. it, it's you know, it's it's been a long, it's been a long, uh, a long journey to get me where I'm at right now. So at it's least, taking you, but at it's least, taking you forty six years to get exactly where you're sitting right now, dude. Seriously, seriously, and and uh, some of the stuff I, I've been through, I don't wish upon anybody at all, right. man. You know, mm -hmm. but uh, it's all part of learning and getting where we need to be and trying mm -hmm. to be the better, the best person we can be. So, and 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 I've also turned a corner too, where when somebody, I've always been pretty cool with differing opinions. I've never been the guy that I, I was never the guy sticking my finger in your face. You're wrong. That's not supposed to be your stance on uh, abortion or whatever. You know, what I mean, I've never been that guy. But I've always been the guy that's like, well, they're just not 
where they're supposed to be yet. Like I'm so much further down the road than they are. You know what I mean? And and and, and yes. that's just the young, the young, arrogant stupidity of just you know you're just an arrogant, think you know everything. Now in my forties, I've definitely gotten to the big Lebowski. That's just like your opinion, man. I'm just I'm very much like that's cool. I I don't. I don't care. <laughs> like, I don't, like I understand where you're coming from. You understand where I'm coming from. I'm not here to beat my opinion down your throat as long as you're not here to throw yours on mine. And it's cool, man. Let's just have a drink. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I totally get it. Mm-hmm. It's not. It's not. It's just not. It's it's not my hill. Somebody told me once. It's just not my hill to die on. You know what I mean? It's very seldom something comes up that I really feel like I got to put my foot down anymore. Because what are you gonna do? How are you gonna change the opinion of someone that's so? concrete in what they think all right man whatever dude move along <laughs> you know you're not yeah and that's the right. thing is you, you're ne- you never will it's like these people online like when you're posting you can share your thoughts with people but if you disagree with somebody whether politically religiously oh. whatever you're going to disagree and one you quoting some statistics or what your mindset is isn't going to change somebody's mind especially when it comes to religion and stuff like that it's like you know what <laughs> right. and my my view is instead of beating somebody over with the head over with beating somebody over their head with the bible telling them they shouldn't do this and they shouldn't do this and this is how they should live and this is how that and that's the way they should live you should try doing like jesus and just live the example like let people see christ in you and yep. let your life speak for itself i mean i trust me dude i i spent a last 25 years running completely in the opposite direction of everything and anything even remotely religious and it was all because of man mankind because of Mm. i see what people would do and i'd say oh oh this so this guy claims to be a christian and he's sinning and this guy and and i get the whole you know oh no you know look not upon the actions of man but focus on god yeah i get it but when you're like you know in your teens and you're like so this guy is just doing whatever the hell he wants and he doesn't care and then he's Mm -hmm. saying like well I'm a Christian and I'm saved and you need, you're burning in hell because this is what you're doing wrong. But meanwhile, his whole life is completely jacked. And, you know, it was, it was very, very um, hypocritical. Like, you know, your, your, your mouth is saying all these things, but your actions aren't doing anything. It's doing the complete opposite. And it did a lot, it did a lot of damage for me. Totally. I mean, I, I went for many years up till a couple of years ago. I didn't even know if a God existed. I didn't want to have anything to do with it. When I got married, my wife and mm. I said, we don't even want any mention of God in our vows. We were very adamant about it. And then it was only like within the last year, things started changing in our lives. You know, uh, um, not to go off on a tangent, but I saw like, you know, so my wife was going through some really heavy things. We're having a lot of uh, issues, not together, like together, but not with you know, not Each like other. issues like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was just like right. we were both going through some really heavy stuff. And um, mm-hmm. um, she, God started moving in my wife's life. And like, you know, my my wife was so completely the opposite way too. Like she she didn't want to have anything to do with any of it. You know, we were both raised in a church. We had a Christian background. and But it was the same thing for her, you know. she It was the actions of man and all these things that turned her off. And she was like, if this is what Christianity is, I don't want any part of it. And I'm going to go completely 100% the other way. And she was going through some pretty heavy things. I was going through some things. We were going through them individually and collectively. And I saw God started working in my wife's life. You know, like one day she just got convicted. She said she felt, you know, she heard God. She felt God and she ended up like, falling to her knees in our kitchen and just praying for repentance. And I Hmm. came in and I I see my wife and I'm like, she was different. Like 
it was her body. But I was like, what did the aliens do? And how did they take, <laughs> you know, like, because like, you're here, but you're not, you know, like she was, she, her demeanor had totally changed. She was happier. She, she had this weird, I don't know, dude, it's so hard to explain. She had a weird glow. It was a whole big thing going on and she was like look baby she goes I, I this is what happened today and it was funny because we had been speaking to work the, the weeks earlier about church she's like you know what i missed the fellowship i used to have in church growing up don't you you know like uh greeting your brothers and sisters and having actual church family and i said yeah i kind of i kind of miss it too you know but a lot of that got tainted in all that you know with all that stuff in the past and here we are, like, you know, 10 months later. This was October this happened with her. And here we are 10 months later. It's like um, we're, we're, we've both, like, rededicated our lives. We both found, we found an awesome church, ironically, through my friend Brent, who I met through damn Brian Gray 20 years ago. Because he was the bass player of Left <laughs> He was the bass player of Left Out. And uh, turns out when I moved here up to the mountains in California, he, him and his wife lived less than 10 minutes down the road. So I was talking to him one day and I said, hey, do you have, you know, where are you guys, do you guys go to church? And he said, oh yeah, we go to this cool church in Capitola, blah, 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 blah. We went there, we checked it out. And for the first day we were like, oh my God, like we had checked out a couple of churches for like about a month and a half before and we just were not digging any of them. We're like, oh man, this is that same crap that we didn't like that, you know, same, you know, religious glasses, you know, stand, yeah, yeah, sing yeah. two songs, sit down, stand, <laughs> sing two yeah. songs, pray yep. for an offering, give a ministering, read the, the, you know, the notes for the week, you know, the bulletin, and then pray and then be dismissed. And we found this other church. We thought it was great. Uh, we were welcomed with hugs and kisses and smiles and treated like family since day one. And I mean, in like, it looked like, I mean, we, we're so involved in this church on weekends now, on Saturdays, we go um, we help prepare food. We go out with them to feed the homeless in Santa Cruz. Um, I'm, I'm like my boat. My wife and I are both unemployed right now because we both the guy that we worked for ended up closing down. So I've actually oh. been working part time, part time for the church, like doing independent contract work, like janitorial maintenance, landscaping. Like I fix okay. everything, everything. And so it's like for the last two months, it's like it's funny, dude. I'm like. I went from not even wanting anyone to say God around me, and the only time I ever set foot in a church was uh, weddings and funerals because I had to, you know? <laughs> and then now it's like uh, my pastor's on – it's so funny to say this, dude. My pastor's on speed dial. I text with him multiple times during the week. I mean I report to him every day. He's my boss. He tells me what he wants done, what needs to get done, you know, okay. what broke down over the weekend, you know? And it's, it's just – it's bizarre to be in – this place completely different from, you know, 15, 10, 15, 20 years ago, where mm -hmm. now it's like, you know, growing up, it was like we had to go to church or we got kicked out of the house because in this house, we go to church nine times a week. And if you don't believe what we believe, we're going to beat the piss out of you because that's what <laughs> tough love is. You know, my father was a heavy handed Italian, dude, you know, so from New York. Yeah, from New York. Yeah, yeah, exactly. From from like, you know, the streets of New York City. So, I mean, here it is all these years later. It's totally different when you believe things because you want to believe them and you have a genuine want to believe them and not because someone's trying to force it down your throat or, you know, tell you uh, you're going to believe like this. Otherwise, you're going to be homeless out in the street. Yeah, right, <laughs> you know, I got you. So now you're yeah. just now to conclude, you're just, you're in that better place. And that's cool. You found you found that better place by um Walking in on your wife who had herself a little religious moment there, and I don't mean to take away from it, but 
Yo, that's that's cool. That's a cool story, man. I'm glad it you, is. I'm, I'm glad you did go off on that tangent. I think people need to hear that. I need to hear that because I'm <laughs> I'm I'm in a very anti. Like, yeah, I believe, but everything else about it sucks. What does that mean? You know what I mean? I'm I'm in a very yeah. weird uh, kind of crawling in the dark space myself. You know, so and that was me the last twenty years, twenty I'll plus years, dude. So I I totally I totally am right there with you, and I understand. And like mm-hmm. for me, dude, it's it just. All I know is from a person that, you know, when people told me that they believe in God or whatever, I have a lot of Christian friends. I still have friends in that industry, you know, for years, and I never knocked them. I might not have believed the same, but I tried to always have respect for them and their beliefs because I understand people's faith is very important to them. And I never wanted to try to, like, be one of those douches that, like, well, if you believe this, you're just a sheep. You know, I mean... (laughs) It's not right. one. Of those, it's not one of those things to do. It's not right, you know. So, but right. uh, you know, I, you know, I found my place. I'm totally happy, and you know, hopefully, things work out in your time, and you will come figure out what you need to figure out. You know, good talk, man. I needed to hear that. <laughs> we're only at track two. Oh my god, we got to pick up the pace here. All right. <clears throat> no, no, we're good. I'm just kidding. Man. That's good. I'm glad. I'm glad. I'm glad to hear a tangent like that. That's that's, that's got a happy ending. Um, <laughs> track three, Beast Within. Within is about suicide, dude. Because, um, mm-hmm. for I mean, we don't know it. We've seen it recently with Chris Cornell and all these other people. But this song was way before that. Um, my wife and I worked with uh, people at Ringling Brothers. Two girls that we know both killed themselves within a year of each other. I now, the last one, girl, uh, like girl that killed herself. That's like the eighth person I know in my lifetime that's taken their own life. And mm-hmm. this has got to stop. Nobody. And the thing that kills me is when people take their life. The first thing people say is, Ugh, they were weak. They took the easy way out. Bitches, punks, you know, like they were just weak. Right. They should have just manned up. Should have just manned up. You know, you didn't think of anybody but yourself. They have no clue what it's like to be in that situation because when I wrote Still Suffering, that was right after a period where I wanted to kill myself and that's what I wrote the song Disease about. So as a person mm. who was in that dark place, I know what it's like. That's why in the chorus I said, you can't understand the feeling if you've never walked a mile we have and our feet are bleeding. I've had enough. We've had enough because we've like everybody in the band has lost people to suicide. Uh, and almost everybody in life has had their life affected in one way or another by somebody directly or a friend of a friend who's committed their suicide and taken their own life. And it's so sad. It's so sad that people end up in that place, you know, and sure. we, we mm-hmm. just got to try to do more to, to, to avoid that and try to, you know, love people more and let them know that, you know, it's not even a religious message, but if you don't, you, that's not an option. You don't have to do that. You know, right. and a lot of people do think of family. They do think of others, but the pain is so bad. All they want to do is make it stop. That's mm-hmm. all they want to do is make it stop. And so, you know, you can't, I just hate when people belittle somebody that took their own life and they, you know, cheapen it and like, oh, they were just punks, you know, and like, no, you have no clue, dude. You have no clue. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was that guy. I, I mean, again, I knew everything. So back in, back in my twenties, when somebody decided to tap out, it's because they were weak and I was stronger than them and blah, 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 blah. And I mean, people, like, you know how, you know how ignorant it is now 
I, it's tough to admit. I, I was that guy. When you hear that somebody's dealing with depression, <laughs> we'll just stop being sad. Like, what a yeah. dick thing to say, yeah. man. Yeah, you know, get like, over it, man. Yeah, just right. Get over it. <laughs> like, I have to have a friend explain to me, well, actually, the synapses and the little parts of your brain that release this certain chemical, uh, these don't work correctly. And this medicine actually makes that work correctly. So I, that's how you can take a pill and feel better. It's not just a placebo, dickhead. And I'm like, oh. Oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> like like you gotta get schooled, yeah. and, and and I mean it's just so easy to just when everything when I'm okay and you're not okay, it's totally easy to say, well, just get okay. What's wrong with you? You know, it's that privilege, man. It's that privilege we all think we're born with, and and shame on it. And I'm I'm burning I'm burning another degree of it down on a daily basis anymore. You know, yeah, it's all part of uh, of growing as an individual. You know, mm-hmm. you're at the point like you said that's where you were in your twenties. I was like that too. Mm-hmm. I was like that too for many years, and then it was like neighbor killed himself when I was a teen, and then next thing you know, it it was like all these other people around me, and you know, and it's like, dude, it's it's sad, it's really sad, you know. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, track four, only human. basically about on humanity no matter what you gain in life no matter what you have whether you uh buy it earn it steal it when you die you can't take it with you and it's all gonna burn is essentially um in a thing like you know like you came into this world alone and that's how it's gonna be you know it's like you you go into the world the same way you came out like like you know like a child you know like you no matter what you no matter what you think, no matter what you uh, accomplish, no matter what you do in your life, at the end of the day, it, it's it's you go out the same way you came in. So all these toys and trophies and worldly things that you acquire don't mean anything except somebody else has to handle the baggage when you're gone. Essentially, dude, no doubt about. It. I've been saying that for years. If it's if if it's at all flammable, do everything you can to not depend on it. <laughs> it, it is gonna burn or wind up in a dumpster after you're dead. Yep. Track five, rise.
Rise is uh, uh, another, um, you know, uh, musical motivator. Like, you know, you won't see me crawl, you will see me rise. You know, like we get pressed down every day. Kind of like, you know, bring me down kind of vibe. Like, like um, mm-hmm. c- you know, continuing on. Like, you know, some uh, some days I can't stand the way I feel and it eats me up inside because I try and I try and I end up on my face time and time again. It's like it never ends, but you won't see me fall. You will. You won't see me crawl. You will see me rise. It's all about like taking them hits and getting back up and doing what you got to do. At the end of the day, it's like you know, we take those hits and we we move on. We rise. You know, I mean, yeah. take the beating. I'll go up against the ropes. I'll get knocked down. But you can see me get up. You know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, I like it. I like that you called it a motivator because I mean, every every record needs that. You know that that uh. The, the the pre-workout song <laughs> you know the one that like gets you like kind of gets the adrenaline oh totally going. good uh, and that's six. a great one especially because it's ahead. tuned to G because it's so low you know <laughs> <laughs> okay there you go uh, track 6 for, uh, these four walls is about um our fears because sometimes um like sometimes our fears can get the best of us to the point where they can be almost debilitating you know whether like look at those people that are like you know agoraphobic they can't leave the house people are afraid of doorknobs they can't um you know there's all kinds of phobias sometimes our fears can just magnify so much in our head that they can trap us they're like walls and they can keep us prisoner and that's uh that's what that song is about. It's funny because I always say that's our electro new wave song because it's kind of new wavy, you know. Mm-hmm. But and that's yeah, that's the gist of that. Like you know, these four like it says in the chorus, these four walls they can't hold me. Like you know, and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna be a prisoner to my fears. I'm not gonna be a prisoner to my fears. And um, you know, as much as they can close in around me, sometimes I'm not gonna let them get the best of me. Right on. Track seven's called Devolve. The only limits on what we can achieve are the limits we place on our hopes.
Devolve is an instrumental. Uh, it's basically, it's it's kind of avant-garde musically. It's the first time we did something of that nature where it's kind of trippy. It's kind of heavy, weird, discordant. It's got a b- bunch of like big synth kind of dive bombs right. and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So it was just it was just a really fun instrumental that we. Uh, we played with originally it didn't sound anything like that it was a whole completely different song and then when we were sitting there listening to it we're like this is cool but this is boring let's do something with this so we like chopped it and cut it and pat was moving this here and moving that there and eric was like hey well why don't we put this part here and why don't we just totally scrap this part and put this here and and we just kind of like you know put it together like a weird puzzle and mm-hmm. I, I love you know i love the outcome <laughs> what, what made you put an instrument why make what made you make what made you decide to put an instrumental on the album? God, um, you know what? It just it just kinda, it just kind of happened because I had lyrics, I had melodies, mm-hmm. but I was like, you know what? I'm like, let's do something different. Instead of being predictable and following the same old formula, how about changing it up a bit? And because we just thought the song was strong enough to stand on its own. Just musically, because to me it's 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 great because my, my friends say, dude, this kind of reminds me of like it belongs in like a sci-fi movie, <laughs> or okay. you know, because it's just kind of weird and and trippy like that, you know, because it's got like all these weird, you know, he, he say stuff like it reminds him of like when spaceships take off and you know something, <laughs> in, 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 that's you know they say like it reminds me of intergalactic travel and stuff like that when I listen to that song. So wow, okay, yeah, yeah. There's a whole new twist on it. As you're listening, hopefully people go track by track and listen to the record. I'm gonna put I'm gonna put a sample of each song in between each of these. And so now, Sweet. Uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't have thought of spaceships taking it off. Now I'm gonna hear it and think, oh, yeah, okay, yeah, I kind of get that now. You know. <laughs> Number eight, manipulation. Yes, we all have people in our lives, whether we know it or not, that like to manipulate, that like to work other people over, put their influence in, and uh, do what they can to control somebody. Uh, Most Mm -hmm. of the time, people who are being manipulated don't even know that they're being manipulated, and that's the kicker. You know, a lot of times those people are like, have you ever heard the term psychic vampires? People that feed off other people's energy and they okay. use them and um, drain them to the point where there's nothing left, and then they move on to the next host, essentially. And that song, um, it's funny because that one—that's the one we had uh, Kevin from Believer, Kevin Lehman, uh, do the solo on. 
Nice. And originally, when we when we first when I was first working on the riff to that, I was like, man, this is kind of like Scarified Part Two because it's just that really ballsy riffy, you know, kind of vibe, very chunky. And it was like, man, this is. I'm like, this song is so aggro. It's pissed. It needs something that's you know, these lyrics gotta be pissed. It has to reflect the the music. And then just one day, we were, I was sitting around with uh, Eric, the drummer. Ironically, in case you didn't know, Eric used to be the drummer in a band called Everyday Life back in the day. In case you didn't oh, know, yeah. ED- EDL, yes, Eric yeah. Wilkins. Yeah, 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 yeah. So uh, wow. um, we, we were, <laughs> I had dropped some knowledge on you. Small world, man. <laughs> yeah, so we were um, we were listening to it, and uh, I was like, yeah, man, this is like, he's like, this song is so pissed. I'm like, I know, it needs it needs lyrics to reflect it. You know, because I, I write all the lyrics, so it's usually like whatever's kicking around in my head. And like when I was, we were, me and him were talking about somebody um, that we observed being very manipulative. And we were like, huh, man, this person's totally taking this other person for a ride. And this, you know, person A is going for a ride and person B is taking them for a ride, manipulating them. And person A has no clue what's going on kind uh, of vibe, gross. you know? So, yeah. yeah, and then that's where that, you know, song was born. You know, I see the way that you control. I say you. I see you dig your teeth in skin. You know, I see those games that you play. I see you. Um, you know, like just it's that whole vibe. You know, you, mm-hmm. you see you see it happening right in under you. And even you know, people. Um, it's sad because most people don't realize it, and they don't realize it until it's too late. You can tell them, hey, watch, keep an eye on this person. They're taking advantage of you. No, no, they're cool. They're my friend. They're my friend until they're left, until you're left like a person that just got hit by a bus, you know, like all <laughs> ragged with track marks, uh, you know, tire marks all over you. And you're like, I tried to warn you, dude. You know, I don't want to say I told you so. But, uh, you well, know, we, we watched clank, it happen. Yeah, Clank, <laughs> enough about this past election. Let's move on to track nine. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> oh, I hope I pissed off half the people listening. Yeah, manipulation uh, is huge. The guitars it's are huge. <laughs> <laughs> it's the best. It's the, we have all the manipulation. <laughs> track in nine. HD. In HD. <laughs> <laughs> track nine till the end.
Till the End is a song for everyone and anyone who's ever lost a loved one, a family member, a friend, uh, somebody you loved and cared about. Um, basically, sometimes when we lose somebody we love, like I lost my brother, my old, I lost my two oldest brothers, I lost my mom, now I ended up losing my dad. Sometimes when you end up losing people that you are so close to, like my cousin Karen, she lost her daughter, her oldest daughter, killed by a drunk driver. And I watched my cousin suffer. She's still suffering, but I watched her suffer so bad. And these lyrics were actually written mostly, like they're about everyone that's lost somebody. And I've lost a lot of people, but more specifically, I was watching my cousin Karen because I, I felt so bad because she was like at that point where it's like, why should I really bother kind of going on? Like I've lost... I lost my daughter, I lost my world, you know? And it's not like she would kill herself or whatever, but you know, like when you see people, the loss is so hard for them mm -hmm. that they're kind of like just spiraling into this dark place and it and it sucks, it really yeah. sucks. And you know, from, from, you know, as a, and it's, you know, as we get older, we end up, all our friends and family start dying off more left and right. But mm -hmm. you know, as of losing so many people over the years, it's like, you know what, we, no matter, you know, uh, when when everyone is like just like it says in the song when everyone is come and gone we still have to carry on you know family and all your friends from beginning till the end like you know what i mean we just be, it, it's gonna hurt when we lose these people and it's gonna hurt a lot and we're gonna feel the sting but you know what at the end of the day we can't let their death be the death of us we have right. to continue on we have to we have to fight we have to make it another day another day every day you know time doesn't heal you know time does not heal wounds it i think it just only teaches us how to deal with the pain little by little and you know so like some of these losses that you can have like you know whoever you're closest to like that one person you love more you know not so much a spouse but that one person that you were so close with that you lost you know it's it's it hurts so bad but at the end of the day you know what it does suck, but you can't let their death be the death of you is basically the whole gist of it. You know, we have to carry on till the end. Nice. Needed to hear that, too. Uh, last track, track 10, is called The Damage. The damage, the damage, uh, the damage is A, it's tuned to G, that's why it's so low and heavy, I just have to say that, um, B, um, it's about addiction, the pit of addiction, all kinds of addiction, whether mm. drugs, alcohol, I've had my own dances with the devil in the pale moonlight in the past, and you know, <laughs> had my, a little too much of that extracurricular fun, and mm. I've seen a lot of people wither away and die, literally die, overdoses and 
uh, one friend in particular from high school who dropped dead literally in the gutter in front of his fiance's house the day he was going to meet his fiance's parents because he was all smacked down on heroin. Uh, yeah, you know, and, and it's sad. We lose people so much. And basically this song, the damage, it's about addiction and how, you know, you basically you first you have to admit you have a problem and you have to own up to the fact that, you know what, I mean, like taking responsibility for your own actions. Yeah, you know, life sucks. Yeah, lose your job. Yeah, this person broke up with you. I get it. I get it. I get it. Mm-hmm. None of that is a reason to spiral out of control and um, get lost in addiction because uh, I'm not cheapening it by any means because it is hard. It is hard, especially if you're, you know, I only party recreationally. You know, I only do a little coke here and there, and then that little coke here and there turns into every weekend for six months, and then the next thing you know, you're doing it four times a week, you know, and it's yeah. like you start surrounding yourself with all these people in that vibe, you know, and as a person who spent more than enough days awake, I, you know, have had to come to terms with all this and be like, hey, mm-hmm. you know what, this this isn't right, and I uh, decided basically, like, you, if you listen to The Damage, Read those lyrics. If you go to like our, our clanknation.com and you pull up the album, if you pull up each song individually and click on the song, like on the far right, it'll open mm-hmm. the tab uh, for each song and you can read the lyrics. That's pretty like auto. It, it's one of those like uh, double entendres where it's about addiction, but it's also like a personal, like for me, because like I said, I've, I've you know, had more than my share of that kind of stuff and i'm so glad i'm over it and you know my wife was actually very 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 beneficial in that like there's there's a a line in the song where it says you know it took her intervention or i'd be dead today and it didn't mean like an actual like okay we're gonna sit down and have an intervention now and we're all gonna discuss what you've done to us not like that kind of intervention but it was that whole like hey guess what this you know occasional partying thing has now turned into something that's taking over and Mm -hmm. i don't like where this is going and i know you don't like where this is going and we need to you need to address this and do something about it like now because Mm -hmm. something's gonna happen you're gonna die or i'm gonna leave or you know just because people get consumed i mean you know it's that's what that's what happens with drugs and alcohol Mm -hmm. you you know you just I'm all I'm all for having fun. I'm all for kicking back, relax, you know, have a couple of beers, whatever. But there's a line and there's a time and a place for everything. And, you know, when, she, when you get to that point where <laughs> you're, you're all partied out, it's like, you know, the, you just you got to own up to the fact that this is this is your life and the decisions right. you make affect you and those around you. And you have to be prepared to accept the consequences of that. So that song was written directly about that. And coincidentally... Glenn Alvalace, the guy who we had, a good friend of ours, to do the solo, he used to be in two bands you might have heard of, uh, Forbidden and Testament, two uh, thrash bands from the Bay Area. Mm, he, yeah, they ring a sm- Yeah, they ring yeah. a bell. <laughs> ring any bells. Yeah, and uh, we played a bunch of shows with Glenn. Uh, he's wow. got a, a band called um, Hate FX, and uh, we played a, a bunch of shows with them, met him. What a wonderful guy. You know, we... we from the first time we met that guy, we're like, dude, this guy is so awesome. Didn't yeah. realize exactly who he was at first. And then we contacted him and said, hey, man, we got this new CD coming out. And we we have this one song. You know, would you be interested in, you know, throwing a little guitar love on it? And he was like, absolutely. Here's my address. You know, here's That's my awesome. email. Send the song. And it was like, dude, you know. And then, by, then as soon as he sent it, like we were sitting there in the studio listening to it. like, And all three of us, the hair on our arms was standing up like porcupines. We were just like, oh. Isn't that oh awesome how it works? 
That's oh, great. Oh, dude, yeah. It was like the same thing when Kevin did it too on Manipulation because, I mean, you know, being being a Believer fan for 30 years and yeah. going to their shows and stuff, it was just like, you know, the fanboy in me was kind of like, hey, my dad, I have a guy from Believer on my song. You know? Like, <laughs> <laughs> you know? <laughs> anyway, so thanks for going. Thanks for doing track by track with the whole with the whole record. That was pretty fun. I didn't I didn't even think of doing that until we were talking. But, uh, yeah, I loved it when you did it with uh, Jason Wisdom, and I was like, man, see, I'm like, I like what this guy does because it wasn't <laughs> just typical. So tell me about your band. What was your favorite concert? You know, the nah. typical. I mean, some people just do run of the mill questions, but I like it. I like it a little different, and I like it off the cuff. You know, yeah. sometimes not scripted per se, and I mean, this is this has been great. <laughs> yeah, I don't like I don't like the I don't like the album cycle stuff where it's like you actually get a half an hour. Like I I've actually been invited to talk to somebody to, to to talk to a couple artists that were like really big to talk on my show, and I'll leave their names out of it, but whatever. But the publicist, I, I, you know, they reach out to me or I know a guy who got me in or something like that, and it's basically like they're doing interviews. Tuesday and Wednesday between six and eight, and there's half hour chunks. Which one do you want? So basically, like they're gonna have the exact same interview eight times. Yeah, the, see that's that's lame. And it's just that's all lame. it is is album cycle promotion stuff. And it's like I kind of have to ask the exact same questions as seven other podcasts. And I'm like, dude, it's that's more of an interview. That's like a Revolver magazine thing. This is a podcast. Like, dude, I totally want to roll up my sleeves and I want to hear like your dog bark and then ask you what the kind of dog it is and just kind of go off on tangents. I don't want to, I don't want to. So what was it like to record with Kurt Ballou? Well, good, of course. Duh. Like, what yeah. are you going to say? Yeah. Kurt was a jerk and he did a bad job. No one ever said that ever. You know what I mean? So I don't want to ask those dumb questions. I want to talk to the dude or lady, you know? Yeah. Anyway, there we are. Um... Uh, back, back to my Brian Gray list. I have I have four more stories that you need to tell me, right? Oh, jeez. If you don't want to tell them, that's fine. But <laughs> I'm queuing them up. Here we go. <laughs> Did you sign your tooth and nail contract in blood? I sliced open the palm of my hand. It's actually on my Wikipedia, believe it or not. I sl- <laughs> yes, I have. A, there was a clank Wikipedia. I um I wanted Brandon Evil to realize that I wasn't just. One of these, you know, run-of-the-mill punk band kind of people, one of these hardcore bands. I wanted them to know that I was serious about music, and I was really serious, and I wanted to be taken seriously, you know. Uh, so um, I remember I was signing my contract. I was going through the contract, and uh, I was talking to Buka uh, at the house because we lived. We actually lived in a house, and we called it Argyle Acres. It was this big house on a lot of property, and that's what mm-hmm. we called it. And uh, I took a knife, and I sliced the palm of my hand open, and uh, squeezed it and then dipped what was essentially like a um, a toothpick kind of device thing that I made in it and <laughs> scribbled it out. And, and uh, Buka was like, dude, shut up. Shut up. He's like, no, you didn't. I'm like, yeah, I did. He's like, no, no, you didn't. I said, yeah, I fully did. So I FedExed it back to Brian. Uh, Brian, oh, my goodness. I FedExed it back to Brandon Ebel. Brandon. And uh, Buka was talking to Brandon like that day or whatever. So yeah, he was talking about stuff and he goes, hey, he goes, uh, did you get Clank's contract? And he goes, yeah, it actually uh, just came in FedEx. And he goes, did you look at it? And he goes, what do you mean? He goes, did you look at it? And he goes, what do you mean? He goes, did he sign it? And he goes, I'm pretty sure he signed it. Why would he not sign it? And he goes, I would probably take a look at it if I was you. You know, so 
I'm, I'm, <laughs> so Brandon's on the phone with Buka, and he opens it up, and he's like, oh, dude, no way. He's like, is this blood? Is this blood? He's like, no freaking way. No, that's so metal. Oh, that's so gross. That's so gross. That's so nasty. But, dude, that's so punk rock. That's so metal. And he was, like, so into it. And it was funny because they kind of used it. They, in turn, kind of used it uh, as in some of, like, the marketing in a way, because people were just like, dude, who's crazy or stupid enough to do something like that? Right. <laughs> I was this just guy. like, I was just trying to prove a point, but it ended up like one of the first things in the bio. I remember when Tooth and Nail sent their bio, it was like, to be sure how positive, you know, to be sure how he um, serious Clank Diolosa was, you know, he signed his own record contract with Tooth and Nail in his own blood. And I was like, <laughs> oh my goodness. I was like, okay, and of course, you know, for that, a lot of bookstores alone were just like kind of banning it, you know. (laughs) There was no curses. There was nothing questionable on it. All the lyrics were actually, for its time, you know, like pretty positive. They were, you know, like all lyrics are about life and, you know, how I see it and how I deal with it and whatever. And it was just funny because a lot of the, uh, a lot of like Christian bookstores and stuff were just, they were, they were not having it. They either, they, you know, Brandon would call me and he'd say, dude, we had a whole bunch of returns. I'm like, for what? And he goes, well, for one, one store said you didn't thank God in the credits. I said, uh, first of all, I did. It's in alphabetical order because I'm obsessive compulsive. So if you look under G, it's there. And then the people were like, yeah, but you didn't put it first. God is supposed to be first. So I was just like, oh, oh. that was part of that whole thing that was turning me off back then from that vibe, you know. And then it was, he's like, you know, oh, people's, a lot of bookstores returned it because they said the album artwork is just too dark. Every page has black on it. And I was like, really? They were turning it because the artwork is dark and it's printed on black pages. It was like, Uh, you know, and then a bunch of people, he's like, yeah, a bunch of people got wind that you signed your contract and they think that, you know, you're pretty much demonic, you know, (laughs) or was it like you're a wolf? I was, I was, I was being labeled a wolf in sheep's clothing. Yeah. Yeah. So, (laughs) oh boy. You know, I, I mean, granted, you know, I, I might have been a little out of my mind at that time, but I wasn't trying to I wasn't trying to steer anybody away. <laughs> yeah, I thought there was power in the blood. I thought Christians like that kind of stuff. Oh, yeah. Well, I, hey, but it was all good. And so, you know, what's so funny is I guess there's a tooth and nail book that came out some kind of like history of history of the nail or something like that. And in it. They included the picture of my contract. Obviously, they were generous and nice enough to black out my social security number, which was really nice of them. Mm. But I thought it was pretty funny because one of the things I used to give Brandon crap about was I was like, dude, you can't even spell my name right. And he goes, what do you mean? What do you mean? I said, my name is Darren, D-A-R-E-N. I'm like, your contract that you sent me says right on it. Artist, D-A-R-R-E-N. I'm like, really? You care about me so much as a freaking artist you couldn't even spell my name right? You know, like <laughs> like I used to, I used to love to bust his chops about it, but it was <laughs> but it was it was pretty funny because this this guy Keith pointed it out. He was like, dude, he goes, You're officially infamous. I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, You made it in the tooth and nail book. I'm like, what do you mean? And then he sent me a picture of the page in the book, and it was like and here is the blood signed contract from Clank Diolosa. I was like, no way. <laughs> <laughs> well, I didn't know that. I have to cancel this. We're not doing the show now because you're a, a wolf in sheep's clothing. I don't want people, yeah, don't, sorry about that. M- mislead people. Around. Speaking of, uh, speaking of you being a wolf in sheep's clothing, Brian says you used to work for a pot dispensary. Is that true? Um, I worked on a cannabis farm. It's funny because for five years, my wife 
was the uh, manager for uh, a cannabis bakery, pot bakery. You know, mm-hmm. um, there was a dispensary next door and uh, a full commercial bakery. So my wife used to make all the edibles uh, for the patients. Um, and the funny thing is there was a lot of people that used to come in, a lot of people that had like joint pains and all kinds of various stuff. And I mean, granted, marijuana is one of those things that people still freak out about this day. And oh, they no. say there's, there's no medicinal value whatsoever, whatever, you know, but I know firsthand, you know, I mean, as a person who consumed it every day for like 30 years, you know, I, I understand the wanting to get, you know, elevated aspect, but I also can understand the medicinal aspect, because there's a lot of people that utilize it specifically for pains, aches, uh, seizures, and stuff like that. But yes, sure. my wife worked. My wife worked in the bakery for five years, and I worked there for three. I originally started as a delivery manager, and then uh, got switched over to the farm. And I worked on the farm for two years, and that's ironically where I got bit by the rattlesnake. I was reading <laughs> underneath a can. Of, I, I was weeding underneath a marijuana plant, a cannabis plant, at work. And um, my boss was in the row next to me, and I was just, you know, like uh, taking my right hand, making the twist motion, grab the weed, pull, grab the weed, pull, grab the weed, pull. And I didn't see the snake. He didn't see me. And I grabbed the snake and pulled on him. And he <gasps> struck me Ooh. right on the knuckle of my middle finger. There was oh, no, God. no rattle or nothing. So I spent three days, the three days before my 45th birthday, I spent in the hospital in the intensive care unit. Oh my god, dude! That's an amazing story. Yeah, and like I told you, like I was telling you earlier, dude, I'm the reptile phobic dude. Like I hate <laughs> snakes. My my wife has like six snakes. She's got bearded dragons. Oh, they creep me out. I mean, I'm cool with the tortoises, and I'm cool with the dogs and the cats, you know. But when it comes to the snakes and stuff, like I, you know, I don't I don't mess with it. But the fact that I got bit by a rattlesnake was like, I mean, on one hand, obviously, like crazy. Like, who in their right mind gets bit by a rattlesnake? <laughs> Me. You know, but on the other hand, it's kind of like <laughs> yeah, story first, of my life. You're the first you know? one on the show, I think, that ever mentioned they got bitten by a snake, <laughs> let alone a rattlesnake, let yeah, alone dude, while was, they were weeding dude, pot. <laughs> I know, dude. And I was, dude, I was in the, I was on, the, on a farm in the middle of nowhere. I ended up having to, I jump in my car and I drove myself to the hospital like 20 minutes. I had to drive to this hospital with my right hand. I'm holding it up and it's like, <laughs> Like I could feel my pulse in my hand, and you know, like when you when you get, you get pins and needles in your hand, and it gets kind of numb, like if you fall asleep on it or whatever. Never from picture, a rattlesnake, though. No. Well, well, picture like if you like slept on your hand weird, or your or your hand falls asleep. But picture the tinglys plus hot, just continuous oh, hot. Okay. So, needless to say, my my hand, my wrist, and my forearm up to my right elbow was as big as my thigh, my upper thigh, oh my to the God. point where, you know, like when you fill a balloon so much with water where it's about to burst, but it doesn't, that's what my arm felt like. It was horrible. And the, and the oh. messed up thing about it is, dude, I get to the hospital and I tell them, like, oh, yeah, I got bit by a rattlesnake, da, 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 da. You know, because at first, I didn't even realize it got me. I was like, ow, something got me. And I looked underneath and I said, wow, there's a snake under there. And my boss was like, get out of here. I'm like, no, I, I think there's a snake under there. And then he looks and he goes, dude, that's a rattlesnake. And I was like, ha, ha, ha. You know, because they all knew I was snake phobic. So they used to always throw ropes at me and like be like <laughs> uh, like 10 feet away with a stick. And they would rub the back of my ear and I go, ah, you know, and they'd be like, snake, snake. 
So they were always oh messing with me. And so he, he looks up and he, he was dead, dude. He was dead serious. He goes, no, dude, you need to get your ass to the hospital now. That's a rattlesnake. I am not kidding. So when I got to the hospital, they're like, you called ahead, right? I'm like, what do you mean called ahead? They're like, we don't keep anti-venom on us. I'm like, you don't? I'm like, you're a friggin' hospital. They're like, well, we're going to have to get it from somewhere else. So they brought me into intensive care, you know, emergency, the whole nine, and then the lady says, look, the nearest place they can get it is 30 minutes away, and then when they get it, it's going to take 40 minutes to prep it. Oh. You know, yeah, dude. So by the time they gave me the anti-venom, and they're like, as they're giving it to me, they're like, just so you know, there's 7% of the population that's allergic to it and that has allergic reactions. So with that, I'm like, bleh, bleh. I start having an allergic reaction, and I'm like vomiting all over the place. Oh, so, my God. Yeah, dude, it, it, was, it was pretty crazy, you know, and, and – I mean that was my that was my near death experience from last year and it was crazy because just a I year just, ago. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, dude, all literally coming up on a year. It was August 8th I was bit because my birthday is the 11th. So I spent the 8th, 9th and 10th in the hospital and I got released the day before my birthday. And I had to end up keeping my right hand elevated above my head day and night for five more days afterwards because of the, the anti-venom and because of the uh, the bite. And it, we had – there was like six marks on my arm and my wife had a special tape measure. She had to measure it every hour on the hour and record um, the size to make sure there was no difference you know, because, and I didn't, I thought once they give it the anti-venom, it's over with. And then the doctor tells me, okay, you got the anti-venom, but the next 24 hours are detrimental. I'm like, what do you mean? She's like, people still end up dying. Sometimes the anti-venom doesn't take, sometimes you need more. So I was like, dude, I've never been before, like, except for like little teeny things. I never spent the night in the hospital. So I had a pretty insane time. You know, I mean, my, my my wife came down immediately. She dropped what she was doing when she found out, you know. They went in the bakery and they said, okay, Laura, don't freak out. <laughs> Sit but, down. Uh, Darren was bit <laughs> by a rattlesnake and he's at the hospital. And she was like, what? What? You know, and she literally just, <laughs> she bolted, you know, out of the bakery. And, and yeah, so that's my, uh, that's, it, that's, this is filed on my, in a previous life, I used to work on a pot farm, and while I was there, I got bit by a rattlesnake. <laughs> dude, dude, you win. That's the best story I've heard in a long time. I oh never, you God. know, the biggest, the common question people say is, dude, so is it like Spider-Man? Do you have any kind of like, you know, snake senses or extra powers? <laughs> I'm like, I wish. I'm like, I, I wish. Yeah. <laughs> Do you have any snakes? What does that even mean? Really, it doesn't even work like that. And dude, you have literally have no clue how many people were like, so dude, did you notice anything different? Like, can you do things? Can you got any kind of powers? I'm like, what uh, are you powers? Pretty normal. You I know? can't stop eating mice. Other than that, yeah. you know, everything's fine. They're like, oh, well, I, I just thought maybe, you know, something happened. That's what bit. I said, yeah, you know what happened? I said, by the time they got the anti-venom in me, my arm was turning like dark gray, turning black. Oh, it was insane. God. It was like, and they were like, oh. Oh, that doesn't sound like fun. I'm like, no, I'm not Peter Parker. I didn't get bit by a, a spider. I'm not going to be Spider-Man. <laughs> was There's it a no, radioactive you know, rattlesnake? Okay. No, Stan Lee's not going to contact me to make a movie about me because I'm a superhero or have some kind of ability <laughs> now. It's just not happening. Clank man. <laughs> Dude, exactly. something, te something tells me if I keep peeling back layers of your onion, you're just going to keep throwing crazier and crazier and crazier stories at me. 
Uh, we've been on the phone for an hour and a half, man. This has been an amazing. This has been amazing. Seriously, I didn't know what the hell to expect talking to you because I was like, I I remember a couple songs from way back in the day, and I have his new album that I've been listening to for a month. I heard the occasional thing. I do have one more thing I want to ask you, and then I'm going to cut you loose. Um, you right. worked with one of my musical heroes, Doug Pinnock. Oh yeah, dude, I love King's X. Their first. Uh- Six albums are like seminal. They're like they're like cornerstone for me. What was working with Doug about, all about? That that is a yeah, shitty for, question. That's a shitty. Yeah, well, what was it well, like working with Doug Biddick? Uh, tell us. No, but, but dude, first know. of all, Doug is an amazing Doug is Doug is an amazing guy. Um, I first dude when I when I was playing with um, Circle of Dust, I first met him. I, I sent him a copy of the um, Brainchild album, and I said, "Hey, mm-hmm. man." I know you like uh, Nine Inch Nails and stuff. I said, I just wanted to see, you know, I, I, I'd never met him before. I was just a fan of his music. I said, we just wanted to see if you dig this. And he sent back a postcard. He said, he said, this Brainchild album is totally kicking my ass right now. He said, I've had Nine Inch Nails in my CD car player for over nine weeks. He goes, I pulled it out and I put your CD in it. He goes, and I can't take it out of the CD player right now. He goes, I love it. This is what he sent on a postcard. Awesome. Back uh, to 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 the Circle of Dust box, you know. So I was like, oh my goodness, oh my goodness. So they ended up playing a local college, uh, Hofstra University in Long Island, when I was still mm-hmm. living in New York. And so I went down there early with one of my friends, and I brought the postcard with me. And I seen a bunch of people from school and stuff there. And I, I knocked on the door, and I was like, hey, uh, is there any way you can uh, tell? Doug, that Clank from Circle of Dust is here, and like the kids that went me were like, he doesn't care about you. He's Doug, you know. And they were all like, you know, he's not going to come out here for you. So the security guards like, be right back. And I said, here, I said, give him this postcard, show him this postcard. So he comes back. So I'm, I'm sitting there like five minutes with my friend Adam, and my friend's like, he's probably not going to let us in. I said, well, I just want to say hi. I said, I don't care about coming in. I just want to say hi. So the security guard says. Doug says, come on in and hang out. They're almost finishing with sound check, and then he wants to hang out with you for a bit. <laughs> so so with that, I turned around to those kids from high school, and I was just like, later, suckers. You know, I gave them like the little wave, went inside. You know, they finished They finished playing, and then um, Doug walked up, and he's like, are you Clank? I was like, yes. He, he shook my hand, gave me a big hug. He's like, oh, my God, dude. I love, love, love oh, the Brainchild man. album. That's killer. And then we, yeah, dude, we talked. After the show, we talked again for, I don't know, like two hours. Um, he said, here's my number, stay in touch, call me sometime. So I was like, ah! this is like, you know, one of your musical icons saying, Hey man, sure. let's be chums, you know? So, yep. oh, um, and he ended up being like, dude, he called me on Thanksgiving to see how I was doing. And we would like back in the day when people actually still wrote letters, you know, we would write <laughs> to each other and stuff. And, uh, um, you know, and then he, uh, I just reached out to him one day. I texted him. I said, Hey, uh, we got this CD that we're working on. I said, we're almost done. I said, I have this song and I was really wondering if maybe, you'd be willing to come in and throw some vocals down. He's like, absolutely. He's like, I just so happen to have like a week or so coming up in like three weeks. He's like, uh, make a plane ticket happen for me. And, um, and I'm good. These are the dates I'm available. So I got his information, booked the plane ticket and <laughs> Doug Pinnock spent six days on our couch, hanging out, watching like Dr. Who and Torchwood with my wife and I, um, like, he turned us on to TV shows. We turned them on to TV shows. We laughed. We joked. And um, we recorded. And, dude, working with him was just so, like, so laid back. Because he was just oh. like, okay, this is the song. This is great. What do you want me to do? And we're like, dude, just do you. You know, do do your thing. Be Doug. You know, bring the soul, brother. Bring the soul. You know, so set up a microphone in the living room. And he sat there, like, 
sipping a beer. He's so great. He goes, here's this like 60 something year old dude in like blue denim jeans, blue denim pants with no shirt on, washboard abs, <laughs> sitting there holding his headphones, that's, just that's my dog singing. And dude, I was like, oh my god! Like, and it was so funny because we couldn't have enough video cameras and phones and things recording at the same time. It was just like. It was mind-boggling. It was totally great, and it was one of those things where it was like when he left. One of the things that was the most awesome was when he, the day he left, he said to my wife and I, and he goes, "You know what?" He goes, "I've had such a good time." He's like, "I honestly," he goes, "I really wish I didn't have to leave right now. I really wish I didn't have to leave because I would love to stay here with you and your wife and your bandmates and and just chill, uh, uh, and, you know, as long as I could." And we were like, like it was funny because we were all like, we all like had that one tear in the corner of our eye, fighting it back, like. Thanks for coming, Doug. And then it was just like when he's, you know, dropped him off the airport, and it was just like, dude, Doug Pennick just sang on our album. I was like, this, this was crazy. for me. This was like 25 years in the making, dude. You mm -hmm. know, it was just like, you know, that that, that kind of upped our street cred just a bit. You know, <laughs> and what an amazing, what an amazing dude. You know, I love that guy so much. He's so great. That's that's so. I think I like that almost as much as the rattlesnake story. That's awesome. Dude. Anything with King's X, man. Love Doug. I've been listening to Doug since I was a little kid. That's awesome. Um, dude, same here. Same here, yeah, man. That's right why I was like, it. that's bucket list in itself. That was bucket dude, list. Yeah, dude. First, first five, six King's X records. They're biblical, man. They're fantastic. It's fine. Whatever. We're going out with some Doug. Thanks for coming on the show, Clank. Appreciate it so much. Dude, thank you so much for having me. I had a great time. Anytime you want to chat, man, I'm chock full of crazy stories, so. <laughs> part of Lavera Productions. High five. Follow me on Twitter and Facebook at As The Story Grows and visit the site at asthestorygrows.com. Make sure to subscribe to the show so you don't miss anything. Visit the Bandcamp link in the notes of this show for free cover songs, some free tunes, and merch. If you like what you heard and would like to help, there's a Patreon link on every episode, or you can look for the dollar sign on the website for one-time donations. If you can't afford to donate, that's totally okay. Tell a friend, retweet me, and give me a good rating on iTunes. Send your guest requests and any feedback for the show to asthestorygrows at gmail.com. And thank you so much for listening today.
Take care.